0: So I'm speaking with composer Greg Edmondson, who has composed some of the most recognizable and beloved music across films, TV, and video games. His scores to both Firefly and the Uncharted games uh, are iconic in their own right and have proven to stand the test of time. Recently, Barnes & Noble uh, just released an exclusive LP pressing of the Firefly soundtrack, and there's also an amazing LP set of Greg's Uncharted trilogy. Uh, Greg, thanks so much for speaking today. It's been a while since we last spoke, but it's so great to, to chat again.
1: The pleasure is all mine.
0: So I would love to kind of revisit your uh, your background and kind of your your origin story and uh, how so how did you kind of get on the path to becoming a composer and uh, when did you start dabbling in mu- when did you start dabbling in music and at kind of what point did you decide okay I want to take this path to become a film and TV composer
1: Well the, the world was a little bit different when I started so I dabbled in music of course when I was a kid and then I moved to Los Angeles in 1980 And I was working as uh, a guitar player in in the studios. I was not a big shot like, you know, Larry Carlton or anything. But, you know, I stayed busy. Early on, I got an opportunity to write for uh, uh, Hanna-Barbera. You know, and and the world changed at that point (laughs) because I, I just absolutely loved Writing and then being able to have the players bring it to life. There was just something so fun about that. That was different than just playing on sessions. You know, it's a little bit like I kind of you know, it's a little bit like the difference between being an actor or a director on a film. The actor has a lot less pressure and a lot more fun, perhaps. But ultimately, the director you know determines the the, the trajectory of the film and the outcome of such. So, anyway, I just never really looked back, and, uh, and it, it took off from there, and how lucky is that? Yeah, so,
0: that's amazing.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it was not a target that I aimed for. It's just something that kind of happened organically. That's fantastic.
0: I mean, were you aware of film music growing up? Were you aware of uh, it being kind of this thing, or did, it, did you not really kind of get into it once that kind of that opportunity presented itself to I, you? It,
1: B, you know, I was not nearly as aware as as kids are today. You talk right. to, i mean, they grow up with it. And they go, listen, I heard Star Wars at age six, and it changed my life, you know. But mine was just a different world. So, that, you know, I mean, I always loved rock and roll. Right. And I always loved an orchestra, two completely different animals. Absolutely. But, you know, they they both go for the same place. They both go for the heart. and And so— you know when you're a guitar player primarily at that point you know you were doing lots of uh, you know really modern music but you know the, I, I don't know and then once you start scoring you kind of go well now i have a whole different you know palette t- to work with i have strings and i have brass and i have woodwinds and i have orchestral percussion rather than a drum kit so i mean in a sense the tools are are different but again you're you're going for the same target so it was it was kind of an easy transition I, you know I studied once I started I studied privately with Albert Harris for years right yeah who was kind of like the cat here in town to study with he was fantastic and you know so so I I had I had ground to make up you know just to get my chops up to speed but you know that right. was fun. that was fun too. <laughs> so I look I look back with nothing but gratitude. Absolutely. You, you know I am so thankful, and and I'm thankful that I moved to Los Angeles because had I not at that point, it, it wouldn't have, none, none of that would have been available in Dallas where I was from. So
0: right. So I mean, growing up in Texas, what was the music scene like at the and the culture kind of surrounding it? And you mentioned kind of rock and 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 orchestral music. Was there kind of uh, I mean I mean. But Texas right now is such a huge music scene currently. What was it like kind of back when you were growing up?
1: Huge music scene.
0: Yeah, still.
1: Te- 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 Texas is a weird place because it's got so many wonderful musicians, many of whom don't have aspirations other than just to play at the club and get to play music. Mm. So you you don't hear their names. You don't know of them. But they're there, and they are so good. It's astonishing. You can walk down the street in Austin and hear all kinds of stuff. That is just beyond belief. Dallas was a big R and B town. Mm. Stevie Wonder was like you know a hero in Dallas, but so was Todd Rundgren. So you know th- th- it was just a, it was just a wacky time. There was just so much good music, all different kinds of music, and uh, and Texas was a great place to grow up f- for that. You know right. it really was. You know, but I'm gl- but but again you make the transition and uh, you know Los Angeles. I am always so amazed by the players in Los Angeles. They are so without peer, maybe London. And I've had the, the privilege of working at Abbey Road and the, and the players were magnificent. But the LA players are just so good. It's astonishing how good they are. Uh, I, I went to a session the other day and just sat in on it. And they they sent the uh, the strings home because they were finished. And I was sitting out there with Murray Adler, who's the Fox contractor, Mm -hmm. and the brass guys were just doing brass choir stuff, and it was so perfect. Every vibration was just perfect with the other horns. And I asked Murray, who who was the premier of violinist in town for years and years and years, and Elmer Bernstein's concertmaster before he became Fox's contractor, I said, do you ever get tired of this? And he said, no, you can never get tired of something that good. And he said they don't even know they're playing great. They just they're just doing what they do every day.
0: Wow, that's amazing. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you definitely you brought you know you you brought your personality and, and kind of your your background to L.A. and and you got to work with it a little bit. Kind of touching on some of your projects now, as you got, you got to work on King of the Hill, which is and kind of infuse kind of that uh, southern sound in there. What was it like working on that series?
1: Fantastic. That was done by Mike Judge. Yeah you know who who by the way is a texas guy really he, what he was doing was was revisiting his childhood right which is why on king of the hill this was good, and this this was good for the music too he always wanted you to laugh but he wanted you to laugh at the script and at the voice acting never at at the actual people mm so the music was never jokey it was never goofy it was never cartoony you know not the cartoony's bad but you, understand, you know what i Absolutely, mean Absolutely yeah yeah you were never making fun of the characters, so really it was like writing a drama in a certain sense. Yes, it was lighthearted. It was, you know, it was you, you you weren't writing, you know, you know Bernard Herman, you know, <laughs> but, but I, you know that that stuff's so over the top. I listened to Dial In for Murder the other day, and it's yeah. like <laughs> I'm going to the other room, bum 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 bum, yeah. <laughs> bum, bum bum you
0: know. I was just yeah, I was watching a. Uh, uh... Oh gosh, Shadow of a Doubt recently, and that was uh, yeah, <laughs> it's very similar.
1: <laughs> it's just a different style. Styles have changed, but you know they changed with acting too. I'm going off on a complete tangent here. Oh yeah, sure. <laughs> but but, but we, why not? You can cut it out. Uh, there's a documentary called Speak to Me, Marlon, and it's uh, Marlon Brando essentially chronicling his own life. And he talks about when he started acting in the '50s, and and you know how he thought he was nobody and would never amount to anything. And he said the styles changed and method acting came in because everything was so overwrought, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. If people drop their handkerchief, then all of a sudden go, ah, ah <laughs> you know. And the music was the same. Exactly. So it wasn't yeah. like the music was doing it on its own. It was just going with the style of acting. And all of a sudden, he said, in the 50s, we tried to make it be more real. Mm. And that's kind of, I think, when music started to change as well. So anyway, apart from that tangent, King of the Hill was was essentially like writing uh, just a regular little movie or little TV show. You were never being jokey. You were always trying to just write the situation, but never comment on the picture or comment on the characters, you know, just kind of like be part of the fat fabric of the storytelling process, which you always try to do anyway. So, Absolutely.
0: And the show oh, had, yeah. had an amazing run. I mean, it, it was 12 years. Fantastic.
1: Exactly. <laughs> and, 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 you know, the great joy of that was, you know, you didn't have a big orchestra to work with. You had like, you know, 30 guys maybe, you know, which is great. But, and there were three of us who did that show, we would just pass episodes off amongst each other. And the joy was just, you know, you know every couple of weeks to go down to one of the wonderful L.A. scoring stages with the wonderful L.A. players and just get to hang out for 12 years and, uh, and play. And I had already come from doing a bunch of live sessions because after Hanna-Barbera, which, of course, was live, mm-hmm. uh, I went to work for Mike Post, who's like, the, he was the king of television. Still
0: is the king. I mean, he, he's, he, <laughs> he,
1: he, he's still doing it. It's amazing. law
0: and order. My goodness. <laughs> I
1: know, and there, there's more coming. Yeah. You know, I think he'd like to retire, but the phone keeps ringing. <laughs> you know. So anyway, and, the, and at that point, that was all live dates too. There, there were no, uh, you know, sam- samplers or that's that stuff didn't exist. It was all pencil and paper and live orchestras. So. Mm-hmm. You know, when I went to work for him, it was the same thing. I just got to continue on with all the wonderful L.A. players in the studios. And then uh, King of the Hill did the same. So right. I'm, I've kind of managed to to mostly dodge the uh, you know the synth revolution. <laughs> Although you, you got to contribute with it. And Firefly, in all honesty, most of the orchestra in Firefly was synth because there was just no time to do it. But all of the overdubs, all of the live violin, you know, the woodwinds, it was Charlie Bicharot and Chris Bleth and Brad Dutz on percussion and live guitar and, you know, Alan Steinberger. So we had all the guys just in a smaller configuration and we did have to use synth orchestra on that, but You know, what you do what you got to do. Absolutely. Be thankful you're working. And Firefly (laughs) was a great, great joy of mine. I loved that show. I can't tell you how much I loved that show. I
0: remember, I think, when we talked last time, uh, you were just pouring your love for that show. And to this day, everyone still talks about how the show, you know, there's so much love. There's a cult following. And it was cut short and how it's one of the biggest tragedies in television, you know, that it could not continue. I mean, what are your memories of the show working on it now, looking back at it and just... Do you do you ever think, like, oh, what could have been? Or do you just kind of see it as this moment in time of, like, just this joy that you got to work on?
1: Bo- uh, both. Yeah. Exactly both of those things. It was, you know, th- this is another little aside. I went and spoke to a, a, a high school, Polytech High School, which is next to Caltech. Mm-hmm. So it's where all the scientist kids, you know, go to high school the other day and they had me on the stage with a famous actress and a famous sculptor and a famous photographer and when they did the q and a afterwards remember this was a high school Right. when they did the q and a afterwards the only thing people wanted to talk about the only questions they asked about were firefly and uncharted (laughs) and i thought god it's kind of embarrassing that they're not asking anybody else any questions but how do these high school kids even know about Firefly. Right. But people continue to find it. It's weird. It's a strange phenomenon that's unlike any other project I've ever worked on, I think. And and I I don't know. I mean, most most of the time a TV show dies and people go, Hey, I really like that show. Oh well, time to find a new one. Right. See right. This one stays alive and uh and and, and it's really wacky. But I absolutely love that show. When I got that gig, I thought for sure I was working for ten years. I looked at the two hour pilot and I said, I have hit the gold mine 10 years before I have to look for another gig, <laughs> you know, right. wh- how, how wrong I was, <laughs> it's, much closer yeah. to 10 episodes. <laughs> but, you know, it, it, it was a fantastic experience, but because you know how TV works, absolutely, you yeah. start, you know, the, the, you got a script, Josh did the two hour pilot, which was a, a $10 million pilot, wow. which is still a lot of money. It's still, uh, yeah, exactly. And uh, Fox looked at it and said, uh, "We're not going to show it. We, we, we this is just not what we want." I think what they always wanted was a show was an action show, mm. just a, uh, uh, trying to think of a, a real polite way to say it, an all-out action
0: show. Yeah, something like 24 or something that
1: just nonstop yeah. action. Right. And what Joss wanted to write was this interesting thing with shifting allegiances and moral conundrums and human beings that were flawed but ultimately did the right thing in the end. We're really kind of like we all are as human beings. Yeah. And he wanted to write something like that, The Human Condition, because it's far more interesting. And it could have some action in it too, but that was not the bulk of the story. So he created this world with these nine main characters because he knew that with that many characters, you could have story arcs that would go almost like fireworks shooting into the sky. Right. And you wouldn't have to repeat yourself over and over, like if the show has the same, only a single conceit, and every single week you've got to find a new way to try and do it. Right. This could have gone forever. But anyway, Fox said, we're not going to do the, the, the pilot. So you start shooting in, in July, let's say. And back then everything went on the air in September. So it went on the air and then just like now, these the world series came and Fox said, Hey, by the way, we have the world series. We're just going to pull the show. We'll be back. We'll be back whenever the world series is over. And they just, it, it, it just, they just, everything that you could do to kill the show
0: mm, yeah. got,
1: got done. So I know what the show could have been because everybody once the show went on the air after the World Series, everybody began to see what really was working well and what was working less well. And you just made all the notes and said, you know what, when we get to the second half of the season, we will address all these notes. And if we get to the start of season two, we will be firing on all cylinders. The same was true with the music. And so you kind of go, okay, I see where I need to go with this. I see what it needs to be. I like it. You know, what was amazing was that even out of the box, it was working. And so you kind of go, that's amazing. Now where could we go with it right. that could be so cool? And that's the unknown. And that's the thing that you go, what could have been? Mm. Because everybody was just finding out who their character was and what was working. And really what was working for me was any time the cast and crew was, was on the screen, it was magic. It, it was magic. I mean, it, it, yeah, the, it,
0: it was the chemistry between them was amazing. I mean, It was perfect.
1: Yeah. The, 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 and the, let's give Josh credit for that. That was his casting. You know, every single character owned that role. You couldn't see anyone else in the role. And there were so many adult situations. And I mean that in the, in the good sense. People who right. said one thing and actually meant another. You know, like if people know the show, Mal and Anara absolutely loved each other, but he couldn't say it he could not say it because it made him too vulnerable right and and you kind of go oh, there's so many places you could go with that that would be wonderful and they they went to a few of them but they only they just got started you know so anyway so i loved it as a moment in time i love it still but, I also love, and I and I, I I mourn for what it could have been because I know how it would have evolved. And I know how it would have changed. Right. and I, I know how much money Fox would have made with this.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think it it's a, it was such a yeah, today I feel like it would have survived because of the way television has changed. Back then, you know, you switched the 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 air date or the air time, and people couldn't find the show. But now, You know, people find it on Hulu, on everywhere, so it's, I think it would have been such a different thing now, for sure. Exactly.
1: I do, I will say, I think this is the golden age of television now. There's so much great stuff out there. Amazing,
0: yeah, I mean, that's where all all the creators, all the auteurs are now in TV versus film, so it's, uh, and then, you know, Joss went to do uh, Avengers and, you know, knocked it out of the park, and then it. You know, he tried to create something there, and you know, I think he he dropped out of the second one because it was too much. uh, After the second one, because it was just uh, it's a lot, a lot different, different ball game for sure. I
1: I think I I mean I I can't speak for Joss. Oh yeah, of course. But 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 I think he loves to just like Firefly. He loves to tell human relationship stories. I think that's something that that really is in his heart and something that he does really really well. Like for instance, if you look at Firefly. This is just an example. Mm -hmm. You had five women characters. All of them were very strong women, but in different ways, completely different ways. And none of it was comic book. And I don't mean that like Avengers, but none none of it was comic book. They were just strong people in different ways. And it was so interesting. And he's able to draw those kind of human things. And and when you can do that, that there's just nothing more interesting than human behavior and human relationships. That's really, you know, quite fantastic. And and he does that so well. And some people don't do that at all that I I, I think he longs to, you know, even if he was doing an action flick to put that in there. Right. Yeah. So, So, you know, I mean, do superhero movies want that? Well, I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Pro- pro- probably less than you know than some films. So you never know. Right. But you know, you'd have to ask him, and you know, I'm sure he'll tell you. <laughs> but but I I know I know that he I I just know that that speaks to his heart. I Absolutely and
0: yeah and speaking of you know great human relationships and great characters and one of the other you know your, your big iconic franchise is the uncharted series and that's another example of of taking a medium that's known for you know guns and shooting and and kind of you know something that kids play and you guys created such an amazing story that created arcs and everything and to this day it's Today, the the your music is one of my favorite adventure themes. I think you guys nailed it so perfectly. I mean, when you look back at that, going to that first Uncharted game, what was the goal of the music? What were you going for? And was, was it simply like, oh, let's make a, a modern Indiana Jones, or was it kind of more than that?
1: You know, uh, it's so convoluted. There is no easy answer to this. Mm-hmm. I had never done a video game before. Right. So when the, when they called me to do that, I I in essence turned it down because I I didn't know if I could do them a good job. I did not know what was required to uh, make a to make a video game work. And Amy Hennig was the person who created Uncharted. She's right. she's absolutely a a genius. Oh,
0: brilliant. She's amazing. Yeah. She
1: really really is. And so her goal and she just told me her goal. She said, listen, my goal is to uh, is to write a game that could maybe draw in people who don't play games. So if you just want a game where you shoot people and you wear armor and you kill things, there's already a lot of that out there. And right. it's really it's really well done. So she wasn't in any way you know, casting aspersions on that. She just said, I want to do something a little bit different. So if they're all wearing armor, I think, oh, I want my guy wearing a T-shirt. And let me see if I can pull people in and try and write some characters that they actually care about and cast it with really good actors. And then let's see if we can make something that, that you know, that people can get can get involved in. And, and at that point, even though I would not done a game, I said, listen, I, I, I'm on board for this. I totally am. And you guys are just going to have to guide me through and help me. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and, because all I know how to do is what I know how to do. You know, I I really, you know, am not terribly interested in writing music that loops every eight bars. Right. You know, that's just not it's not what I do and not what I know how to do. And there are guys who know how to do that really well. Uh, It's just not me. Uh, but they said, well, don't do that then just, you know, let's uh, you just write stuff and, and you will learn as we go along and we will learn and we will all find a way to make it work. And I said, fine, if I get too far out of bounds, then just tell me, reel me in and, uh, and we'll make it work. So I think on the first one, we were all finding our way. They were finding out what made the game work. I was finding out musically what made it work. The other people, Naughty Dog, already knew what to do. You know, they they knew how to make an amazing-looking game. But after the first one, everybody just kind of said, now we all know exactly where we are. And one thing that's interesting on games that's really different from TV and film is that TV and film, the way that you do it, doesn't really change mm-hmm. that you know i mean you may have a new camera you may have a red box camera instead of a you know 35 millimeter but the process is still the same you get a script you storyboard it you know you cast it you then have a certain amount of days that you shoot you go shoot it you edit it and then you do post and then you toss it out there and hope that it works so the the process is, is really a little bit unchanged video games because they're technology dependent change drastically because they now are not putting them out every two years and are now waiting until they think they can do another really good part of the franchise which Mm -hmm. sometimes is four years right or three three or four years but the idea is not just to crank them out so you have a sequel but to do something that's worthy of being cranked out or at least you try so The technology changes tremendously, and what you can do graphically, what you can do with the music, all of those things change, you know, in in an unbelievable manner over that period of time because the technology just becomes so much more sophisticated. So by the time we got to Uncharted 2... Everything was firing on all cylinders, and I think that game raised the bar of the whole game gaming industry at that point in time. You look at the graphics compared to the graphics that that were of the period, and uh, and every every everything was magnificent on that game.
0: Oh yeah, they pushed the. I mean, they pushed the boundaries of the PlayStation system and and everything. I mean, it was just you yeah, got yeah, lost yeah, in that yeah, world. I,
1: I watched I would watch them as they as they got to whatever they call I, I don't know what they call it gold master or whatever where you know you're finally getting to where you're finished right. they were using every every little every little sector on the <laughs> disk and they were going you know if we get rid of this tiny little bit over here we can put this one tiny little bit in wow. it was that big of a deal you know <laughs> they were just literally stuffing the disk to where there there was nothing more you could put on it Wow! And I, I was going, how cool is that? And that was, I you know, that still was a great game. And that green, that game did wonders for them, and it did wonders for me. Listen, I was very lucky on that game. Uh, you know, I mean, just in, in, as you know, I mean, composers, you know, kind of get to ride with the project. Right. And uh, and and that project did really well. So we at award season, I I luckily did really well because I was on the project. You know, but I'm really proud of the music that 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 was on Uncharted 2. I think I wrote better music for Uncharted 3, uh, but but I say better. You, you know, it's hard to quantify that. Absolutely,
0: yeah. yeah. I mean, they're, I think they're all special and different. I mean, what I love about the the three games is that you kind of continue to evolve that music. And you got, since the, the, the characters went to different locations and different tombs and different kind of mythical type things was going on, supernatural stuff, you got to the, play with a lot of cool cultural th- music, like throat singing and all this stuff. And was it, I mean, was that um, was fun to kind of research that stuff and kind of put that in, into play from all these different world kind of world types of music?
1: Yes, and it was fun to use. The one you mentioned, the throat singing was when we were in Tibet on yes, uncharted yeah, too. Right. And I got to use the giant temple horns and all these really cool things that you would never ever get to use otherwise. Yeah. I started doing the ethnic thing on Firefly because Joss's vision in, in Firefly was that all the cultures were thrown together in this giant uh, yeah. For better, for lack of a better word, melting pot. They were just all thrown together to, in, in this post-apocalyptic world. Right, and so, so I started using all this ethnic instrumentation, just in, in, you know, mixed in with Western instrumentation, just because you could, and and because it was fun, and because it gave it a different color. I never tried to be really. Exactly authentic to the place. Some mm-hmm. I did sometimes, but not all the time. Mostly you just tried to give an exotic feel to things so that you were saying we're not in Kansas anymore. There's an exotic flavor to it. But then sometimes, like for instance, if you were in Tibet, the throat singing is specific to Tibet. Absolutely. Yeah. The temple horns specific to Tibet. I did learn that when you're using stringed instruments, you know. You can use a Turkish instrument in place of a Chinese instrument. No one will know, right. un- unless you see it. You get a lot of bang for the buck when you see the ethnic instruments. Uh-huh. But if you don't, you, the stringed instruments you can just you 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 can mix and match, <laughs> you know, and it all works great most of the time. With the woodwinds, you can. Chris Bleth, I I don't. Do you know Chris by any chance? I don't think so. Oh, he's he he's the genius of L.A. You know, mm-hmm. everything he can play everything. Not only does he play all the legit woodwinds, but he plays the ethnic stuff. And he's just got so much. Wow. And when in doubt, you can always use the Duke and not worry about it. You know, just use the Duke and double the cello with the Duke. Thank right. you very much. Always works. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's, again, it's just a beautiful color and a beautiful flavor. So it's really neat when when you have the luxury of an orchestra. And one of the reasons I went you know, in, in down the game route was... The orchestra stuff that I had been doing my whole career in, in in Los Angeles was pretty much limited to three hour dates. You know, every now and then you'd do a double, you'd do a right. six hour date. Right. But you were always writing music so specific to a show. You know, I mean, whatever the show was, whether it was Quantum Leap or, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, it was very specific to the show. Video games allowed me to stretch and, and, and in a lot of ways write music that just came from my heart. And then you had an orchestra for a week instead of three hours or six hours. Right. And that was something I had always wanted to do. And so I said, I'm going down this road. I just am. <laughs> And I'm thrilled that I did. I'm, I'm, I'm so glad that I did and you know got to visit place that you know I mean Sk- Skywalker Ranch have you ever worked there? No, I never been there. Oh oh to die for. I know no, there's I know. no place like on, like <laughs> it on the planet. Wow. you know and and Abbey Road I mean what a piece of history that is. So you know that was our little and those were our three our two un, we went did two at uh, Skywalker and one at Abbey Road. those, those were our uh, our uncharted places. but what a luxury what a joy to get to work with uh, you know there weren't huge orchestras like 80 guys right but that's pretty good size actually
0: oh yeah. yeah i mean the sound of the series is uh, you guys capture that the bigness and the the gravitas of the of the series and made it so Fun and thrilling and I mean I mean lo- I love your scores for those for those games They're I think they're amazing
1: <laughs> thank you thank you thank you thank you how kind of you to say so and they were fun to do they really were the Sony guys you know, were great to work with Jonathan Mayer and and uh, you know Mark and all his whole team Clint was part of it at that point you know they were just so kind to me and so good to me. And they would let me, you know, they they would kind of interface with Amy because Amy was having to do all of the different stuff on the game. But I would talk with Amy every other day and just say, tell me what, tell me about the game. Because you, in a game, you don't get to respond visually right. like you do on a TV show or a film because it's all cut together then. Yeah. yeah. But not on a game. On a game, they go, well, it's going to be this yeah. at some point. <laughs> But we need to go ahead and write the music now, because not only do we have to uh, get it all recorded, we have to put it in the game in an interactive way, the programming and that's going yeah. to take months to do, so you know we got to head off in, in that direction and, and start getting it done. They always just let me write, if I felt strongly about something, just say anything from the heart, and they, they would just say, we have no idea if this will fit in the game or not. No one knows. And we won't know till we get there, so why don't we just record it? Wow. And they were willing to spend the money to you know, record it, not even knowing if it would have a place in, in the game. The little uncharted theme that sits over the, the front of the game mm-hmm. nobody knew where that was going to go, Really if it, or if it would even fit.
0: So you, just, So that you didn't write that as like uh, this is the, I wrote the main theme. It was just nope. kind of a, a, a motif you wrote, and they decided to use it.
1: I, well, I wrote it, and I thought, you know, I, I need to respond to to Nathan Drake, right. so I wrote I wrote that about Nathan Drake. So, I like I, I like themes personally that are about the situation mm-hmm. rather than just about characters per se. right Because if it's too much about the character, then every time the character comes on screen, if you start to hear that, it's like, oh God, <laughs> I, I, I know what's coming now, right. If you think of films like The Godfather, that theme, Uh you could use it anywhere in the film. And it worked because it was just the theme for our situation, not the theme specifically for a character. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I just wrote that about Nathan Drake and this situation, but it was not meant to go there necessarily. It was just like, where, where will this go in the game? Is this working? And then somebody stuck it over the main title. And, you know, it just said, what if we just sit here over the menu and that music plays? And went, okay, why not? <laughs> Let's try it. It seemed to work, but it's one of those serendipitous occurrences. Wow,
0: that's amazing. That you take
1: credit for. Uh, here, Here's another wacky thing about my writing for games. rather, If they say write a three-minute cue, rather than writing... Uh, a solid brick of three minute music without a break. I would always write in like maybe 45 second increments and then build a, some sort of uh, a crescendo, Mm. you know, shut up, you know, so there's a break in between stuff. And when you do that, every time you do that, you accidentally catch some piece of action it's all totally by accident. Wow, yeah. People, people would come to Sony and say, how in the world did you program it so that it would catch this? And <laughs> you, you hate to tell them the truth. You go, listen, if you play the game again, it won't, it, it won't happen in the same place again. <laughs> it's just a happy accident. But it worked well wow. because it made people feel like that when they were playing the game, the music was working with them. Right, yeah. You know, it wasn't dictating to them. It was working with them. And uh, so that was just a a happy accident. And again, once we discovered that, we said, oh, let's continue that. But, you know, let's not stop doing that because, you know, people like it. And it also gave Sony a chance like it, it because they're having to stretch two hours of music into a 10 to 14 hour experience. Right, right it gives you a chance if you write if you write this piece of music and you build to a crescendo and you break after 45 seconds you don't even have to come in with the same cue you can come in with something completely different you can leave space for a while you can and space is very important in games yeah, that way the yeah. music has meaning when you come in with it so it's not just some solid wall to wall music thing which you know you could just get tired of at some point uh, but, but it just allowed you to do all these different things and it made it easier to stretch the two hours of music into a 14 hour experience so you know we learned from that and uh and 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 really did that though you know especially starting with uncharted 2 and into uncharted uh, Charted 3 that was the mo because yeah. it just seemed to make everybody's life easier
0: well it's um it definitely is a lasting legacy, and I and I know I, d- I didn't want to ask you a little bit about because we know uh, what happened where Amy she left uh, Naughty Dog and Uncharted Four kind of went on with the new team and uh, Neil Druckmann kind of took over and I wonder how you felt about se- feeling having a you know it just happens in the business but you know having another composer kind of finish what you started do you, did you ever take a look at Uncharted Four or do you not have do you not want to look at Uncharted Four to see what Henry did or is that something I'm trying to get your opinion on that.
1: You know, I, I mean, I had, I had this same thing on, on Firefly. Right. You know, David Newman did the, 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 the film. Right, yeah. I prefer to look at it this way. I'm thrilled for the opportunity that I had. I absolutely loved doing it. I'm proud of the work that I did. So rather than look at the part that I didn't do, I'm just going to move on. It was a great journey. I loved the journey. Thrilled by it. You know, I, 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 I love Naughty Dog. I love the Sony guys. I love Amy. And, uh, yes, those things, you know, just happened. And, you know, have I looked at it? No. Uh, (laughs) but I've never watched Serenity either. You know, and it's not, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, I mean, I don't need to trying to think of the right way to say it. I don't need to create a wound that I can then rub salt in. Right, yeah. So I just think about the parts that I'm really happy about, which I am. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and by the way, you, you know, those things don't always, they're not always what they appear. Firefly the movie doesn't have the same life that Firefly the TV show does. Absolutely. You see what I'm saying? So yeah. who was the luckier guy? Well, I think I was in, in that case. Would I have loved to have done the movie? Absolutely. That would have been a great step for me. But it didn't happen, so I, I I just look back and I go, I'm thankful for the parts that I had. I'm thankful for the work that I did, and it was a great journey. And I'm really kind of ready to see what the next step of that journey is, is going to be. So it didn't really bother me so so much, you know. I didn't lose any sleep over it. That's good. And and Amy was gone, and Amy was the for me. The heart and soul, I mean she created that out of nothing. Absolutely. that was that was something that that was a world that she made. So even if people continue on with that world and that does happen, you know, it, 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 it's the world that she made. I'll, I'll tell you a wacky story. I, I went to a, a a little BAFTA event with uh, Ridley Scott uh-huh. not too long ago and and they were people were asking him about alien, mm-hmm. and he said, listen, I wasn't the first choice for alien. He said, I wasn't the second choice. I wasn't the third choice. I wasn't the fourth choice. I was the fifth choice for Alien. And people said, wow. And they said, why didn't you do the next one? And he said, because they didn't ask me. Welcome to Hollywood. You know, That's it.
0: That's it in a nutshell.
1: So, you know, hey, listen, did it hurt his career? Not really. No. You know, he's done pretty well for himself. <laughs> So you just look back and, you you know, I think the key is just to be thankful and to be grateful that you worked with such talented people and that you had the opportunity uh, to do it, to be involved. I mean, there's so many people who would have been, you know, would have, you know, done anything to be involved and and you have the absolute good fortune, you know, or divine providence or however you need to look at it, Mm -hmm. to, to be involved with those projects. So at this point in my life, gratitude is is far more important than anything else well I mean, and that makes the most sense to me and it keeps my heart happy because I'm happy I mean my heart is happy and I am happy are there things I would change if I could just write the script myself yes but, but you understand my point absolutely yeah. if, if, if you mostly just are thankful I mean man, if you survived the music business in Los Angeles And at some point you can say, I made my living writing music and I live, I still live in Los Angeles. Do you know how lucky that is? You know, people always look at, you can always find somebody who who makes more money than you or, you know, lives in, you know, Bel Air and you don't. But, (laughs) you know, I think just to say, listen, I got to do what my heart's dream was on, 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 on whatever level absolutely and i got to do that work i think that just makes you so lucky and and so that's the way i look at it and that's the way i look at uncharted and that's the way i look at uh at at firefly and really that's the way i look at king of the hill i go you know could i have picked three more interesting projects among tv shows or video games what would i have picked i think that's i would those those that's what i would have picked well, so for me, them.
0: I mean, we're, we're, we're thankful as listeners and as, as consumers of the music. So, I mean, we, I mean, going on the journey with your career and everything has been such a pleasure for me at least. And, and I know I'm speaking for a lot of people that share the same sentiments So Greg, I mean, it's, it's fantastic what you've, you've done.
1: <laughs> well, very, very kind of you to say, and you know, listen, I, 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 I trust, and 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 I absolutely hope and I'm surrounded by such a team of supportive people. It's just it's just astonishing, you know, and I, I will just mention a few of their na- names, uh, you know, Aaron Collins at CSAC. You could not have a better friend than her. Mm-hmm. Doreen Ringer, do yeah. you know, Doreen, uh, yeah,
0: Doreen, of course,
1: love Doreen. Love Doreen. And even though I'm now at CSAC, she's been supportive. She's been a dear friend to me. Greg O'Connor Reed. Greg is the best. You know. know, Beth Krakauer, you know. Oh
0: I love Beth. She was at my wedding. (laughs) You
1: see what I mean? See, you know some of the same people and you love some of the same people I do. I am surrounded by those people. And and they have been so supportive and you know, and and how lucky is that? How fantastic is that?
0: It's a great community to be in. I think that it's a, it's a rare it's really unique especially being here. I mean, I know a lot of people are listening from around the world, but to be in this community in Los Angeles and uh, it's 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 a real it's a family, it's a, a very family feel for, it is. for sure.
1: I will say one thing about the game composer community that's that, that I find to be a little bit different from the film and TV community. The game composers are unbelievably supportive of each other. It's just a aston- and it's not that other people aren't. It's just that the, those other projects are so time intensive, right? You know, that you don't have time to go hang out and have dinner with anyone. <laughs> right. You're too busy trying to get the next the next cue done. You know, because it's it's that kind of a schedule. Yeah. The game thing is more elongated. And I, I the, the I, I've done trips with those composers. They are so fantastic, and it's a wonderfully supportive community. And 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 you know we all need support in the entertainment business. It, you know it's just it, you just do. You know I mean everybody gets told no, and everybody gets, you know things where you just need to be surrounded by supportive people and I am and <laughs> and uh, you know I didn't mention my a- agent John Tempera, who has been fantastic I actually love him as a human being so you know you just kinda at some point go I'm getting to live my dream I'm getting to live in Los Angeles and I how thrilled am I how lucky am I and and so that t- that 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 tense the way that I look at uh, all the other projects and you just kinda go onwards and upwards no?
0: absolutely what an amazing uh point of view and greg i just want to thank you again so much for your time tonight I'm, I'm out of questions for you and we've discussed so much and and it was such a pleasure we're visiting all your beloved works with you and I, I think it's a testament to your music that we still talk and discuss and listen all these years later and i'm always excited for whatever you know your next project i'm always anticipating so greg thank you again so much
1: Thank you. And listen, I hope our paths cross very soon. And I'm sure they will since we all know the same people, (laughs) you know, you know. And I'm glad I'm really glad that 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 you know some of those people because they are dear, dear people. Oh, they're amazing. Exactly. Yeah.